1: away we go, episode 222 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, January 5th, 2021, and we now are inside of a month until the new name of the Washington football team will be announced. We have a date. Save the date. It's like a wedding. February 2nd, 2022 we on Tuesday morning learned that February 2nd will be the day on which the team currently known as the Washington football team will reveal its new name. Are you at all sad that the era of Washington football team is coming to an end? Are you at all feeling nostalgic for Washington football team? No? (laughs) Not at all? Not even a teensy-weensy bit? Okay. I didn't think so. Here's what I want to know. So the reveal is going to happen at least in part on the Today Show on NBC, because of course the reveal is going to happen at least in part on the Today Show on NBC. Who exactly is going to be representing the team on the Today Show? Jason Wright? Tanya Snyder? Dan Snyder? Some combination? of those three? Uh, Maybe a player? Maybe Bunmi Rotimi? I don't know. But if one of the Snyders is on the Today Show for the name reveal on February 2nd, is NBC as a news organization not obligated to ask questions about the reignited workplace misconduct scandal? I mean, if you're NBC, do you not have to ask those questions? And would those questions not make for an awkward reveal of the name? You know, all of this happiness and joy. Hey, here's our new name. Here's our new logo. And then NBC has to throw hard and high with, oh, yeah. So what about uh, the sexual harassment that went on for years inside your organization? Like, how exactly... Is that going to go down? And if NBC doesn't ask questions about the reignited workplace misconduct scandal, uh, with NBC, again, being a news organization, uh, what is that going to say about NBC? And so could it be that only Jason Wright is on the Today Show on February 2nd for the name reveal? Could it be that the Snyders, in essence, get frozen out from their own new name reveal? We shall see. Something to think about. Maybe Jason Wright and Boonby Rotimi can do the name reveal together. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. In-depth reaction to the reveal of the date of the reveal of the Washington football team's new name is coming up in just a bit. I have a special guest for you on the show to talk Washington football team. Scott Abraham, sports anchor. For ABC 7 News in Washington, D.C., the host of Sports Talk on WJLA 24-7 News. will talk a little about the name, but mostly about football, Uh, including those comments from Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon during his day-after-the-game Zoom press conference off the 2016 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Ron saying, quote, it's time, I think, that we see this team start to take that big step forward, end quote. Uh, Also, Ron pretty clearly calling out Chase Young. Uh, What was behind Ron saying those things? I'll talk about that and a lot more with Scott Abraham. Also, next segment, I will discuss the letter. Yes, a letter that Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts has written to the Washington football team regarding the railing collapse at FedEx Field and we have some college basketball to get into late in the show. Good win for Virginia on Tuesday night 75-65 at Clemson. A tough loss for Virginia Tech on Tuesday night 68-63 to NC State at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. you can email me the algaldi podcast at yahoo.com including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Al Galdi podcast. If you would like for the power of the pod to work for you, we have all kinds of special deals we can offer. We are always willing to work with our local advertisers. So if you're looking to grow your business or practice, hit us up, let us know. Again, the email address, the podcast at yahoo.com. Email from DC Booker on the new name. For the Washington football team, my man D.C. Booker is a detective. Writes, D.C., love your work, man. I was looking at the Making the Brand video, and at Mark 543, Jason Wright presented Ron Rivera with a helmet with the new team logo. I happened to see the reflection of the helmet in the window behind Ron. Let me know what you think. S-M-H, as in shaking my head. And sure enough, there is a reflection of the helmet in the window behind and above Ron Rivera. Uh, The helmet appears to be burgundy with a gold W. So, you know, nothing too earth shattering there. I wonder, though, if the Washington football team is aware of that reflection in the window. Maybe the team is. Then again, knowing how things have been with this team, uh, maybe not. Email from Jeff Marshall on Taylor Heineke writes Jeff. Watching Baker Mayfield is like watching Taylor Heineke's twin brother. You know, there are some similarities between the two, both in terms of style of play and personality. The Baker Mayfield situation for the Cleveland Browns is really interesting. Baker Baker, the touchdown maker. Uh, Next season will be the final season of his rookie deal. He's set to play next season under the terms of the fifth year option in his rookie contract. And then what? If you're the Browns, what do you do? Do you give Baker Baker, the touchdown maker, a big money contract extension? Because if you're not going to give Baker Baker the big money contract extension, well, then do you not need to trade Baker Mayfield? And if he does become available via trade, is that someone who Washington would consider? Is that someone who Washington should consider? Personally, uh, I have not loved Baker Mayfield so far as an NFL quarterback, but he does have talent. He at times is good. It's just that at times he is not all that good, and if you look at his overall body of work as an NFL quarterback, it's really not that good, okay? I mean, the numbers really are quite underwhelming. He's a high-variance quarterback like Taylor Heineke. You know, Baker Mayfield, in a lot of ways, is a rich man's version of of Taylor Heineke. You've heard of someone being a poor man's version of someone else. Baker Mayfield is a rich man's version of Taylor Heineke. Although Heineke does have some advantages over Baker. like Heineke is more mobile than Baker Mayfield. Email from Rob on the Washington football team writes, Rob, I'm concerned about Ron Rivera talking up the draft. I have doubts about how good His 2021 draft was, I'm scared about Don Ron's front office. I'm typing this email while you are talking about our punting strength. Al, are we down to pride in the punter? Keep up the good work. We are coming up on our team's strength, the offseason. Uh, Yes, we are, Rob. Great point by you. There ain't no team that does the offseason like our team. There's no team in sports that disappoints in the regular season, but then somehow reignites optimism in the offseason like our football team. Although, truthfully, a lot of the offseason hype is the fault of us as fans and observers. We get seduced each offseason, and then we get disappointed, seemingly, each season. The jury is very much out on Washington's 2021 draft class. You can't go too nuts with evaluating a draft class just one season into that class. But beyond Samuel Cosme and John Bates, there's not much to be excited about with this draft class. And Cosme has missed a ton of time this season. Now, if Jamin Davis uh, andor Benjamin St. Juice andor Diami Brown bust out next season, then the conversation changes. But for now, I don't know how anyone feels great about Washington's 2021 draft class. The Cheeseman, Cameron Cheeseman, can only generate so much excitement. Well, Rob mentioned Ron Rivera. Uh, Ron Rivera, of course, is a cancer survivor. The cancer that Ron had was a form of skin cancer called squamous cell carcinoma. Skin cancer actually is among the most common of all cancers in the United States. If you have concerns about your skin, if you are dealing with skin cancer, if you have had skin cancer, and haven't seen a doctor in a while, always know that Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are there for you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big Washington football team fan and listener of this podcast. And Operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The Mid Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. In fact, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings and offer state of the art treatments for skin cancer. Among those treatments is superficial radiation therapy, or SRT, which is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. SRT is safe, effective, and non-surgical. You see, having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and a downtime and side effects, cosmetic and otherwise, that come with surgery. You have options. SRT is an option, and Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer the option of SRT, unlike, many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401, or visit MidAtlanticSkin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. All right, before we get to the name stuff with our Washington football team, I want to hit on some other things regarding the team That came up on Tuesday. First of all, Washington on Tuesday afternoon announced a number of roster moves. Uh, Washington activated Tressway off the reserve COVID-19 list. So good news there. The punter is back. Uh, Tressway for the 2016 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon was not Washington's punter in a regular season game. For the first time since joining the team, Tressway had been Washington's punter in every regular season game since the start of the 2014 season. Uh, He ended up being on the reserve COVID 19 list from December 30th to January 4th. Uh, Washington on Tuesday thus released Ryan Winslow, who served as Washington's punter on Sunday. Also, Washington on Tuesday activated practice squad quarterback Kyle Shermer off the reserve COVID-19 list, but released him and Washington on Tuesday. Signed receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden to the practice squad. Washington on Saturday released Gandy-Golden from the active roster. He had been inactive for each of Washington's previous seven games. So AGG uh, is back with the Washington football team After a brief absence, also on Tuesday was a letter Uh, emerging on Tuesday was a letter that Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts sent to the Washington football team. The letter, of course, had to do with the railing collapse, a railing on the side of the tunnel leading to the visiting team's locker room at FedEx Field collapsed after the game on Sunday, causing several fans to fall and hit the floor of the entranceway into the tunnel as Jalen Hurts was walking toward the tunnel. Now, none of the fans appeared to be hurt or need treatment at the scene, although some of that has been called into question. We do know that a photo runner for the Associated Press who was underneath the railing was injured in the collapse. Uh, This was a scary scene that could have been a lot worse. I mean, if you've seen all of the videos that are on social media of what happened This could have been a disaster. Thankfully, it was not. Now, the Washington football team's side of this is that the area in which the railing collapsed is FedEx Field's ADA Accessible Section, ADA standing for Americans with Disabilities Act. The section per the team is designed to hold up to six wheelchairs and six companions, but is not built to carry a large load of fans. So, in other words, too many Eagles fans were in an area in which they should not have been. My biggest takeaway from this situation has been uh, this being another indictment of the hellhole that is FedEx Field, which this season has had a lot of problems, even by its standards. We had the pipe connected to rainwater storage breaking and drenching a small section of fans. We had the smoke machine on the field going haywire, causing the field to be filled with smoke. We had sprinklers in one of the executive suites going off Uh, The fans in the suite had to be moved to another suite to watch the rest of the game, which was the win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in Week 12. So, you know, FedEx Field, which we know is not a good stadium, has been made to look even worse this season with all of these problems. But all of that said, I do want to make this point about this letter from Jalen Hurts. The letter is grandstanding, okay, And understand what I mean by that. That Jalen Hurts wrote a letter about what happened is totally fine. But you have to ask yourself this question: How come this letter has gotten public? Okay? That the letter also interestingly got leaked to the media is grandstanding. Okay. The Washington football team is saying that team president Jason Wright received the letter and sent a private email in reply. If all Jalen Hurts cared about was communicating his thoughts, then he would have sent this letter in a private fashion. But the situation now is about shaming the Washington football team and so the letter has been leaked to the media and is all over the place. The letter includes the following quote: I tried to handle the situation with a lot of poise and show compassion for the people that fell down, really. But I know it could have been so much worse. It kind of didn't hit me until after the fact. Having some time to reflect on it and think about it. I just wanted to see what could be done to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's all I really care about. End quote. All right, look, I want to make something clear. I am not defending Dan Snyder. I am not defending FedEx Field. I am not defending the Washington football team. But I'm also not going to sit here and just ignore what this letter clearly is. Again, grandstanding. And you know what? You could argue that Jalen Hurts should be grandstanding because Dan Snyder, FedEx Field, and the Washington football team all deserve to be shamed, okay? But don't lose sight of the fact that this letter got leaked to the media and now is everywhere. How do you think that happened? Why do you think that happened? Who do you think leaked the letter to all of these media outlets? The answer is Jalen Hurts or his agent or someone connected to Jalen Hurts. It was team Jalen Hurts that leaked this letter to the media. And the letter, of course, makes Jalen Hurts look like a saint, okay, with him saying, I was just trying to show a lot of poise and show compassion. And it didn't hit me until after the fact what could have happened. And all I care about now is making sure that something like this doesn't happen Again, okay? I mean, if, if you were putting this letter into a cartoon, there'd be a halo over Jalen Hurts' head with the way he comes off with this letter. Again, I'm not telling you to feel sorry for Dan Snyder. I'm not telling you to feel sorry for FedEx Field. I'm not telling you to feel sorry for the Washington football team. But let's be real about this, all right? The letter from Jalen Hurts is grandstanding, okay? It's not by accident that the letter got leaked to the media. All right, now to the name. Well, February 2nd is Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day, the day on which the groundhog is said to come out of the hole uh, at the end of hibernation. If the groundhog sees a shadow, i.e. if the weather is sunny, uh, that is said to portend six more weeks of winter weather. But Groundhog Day also is an expression for a series of unwelcome or tedious events that appear to be recurring in exactly the same way. As in the movie Groundhog Day, right? The 1993 movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray. There is something appropriate about the Washington football team on February 2nd, on Groundhog Day, announcing the team's new name. Because the team's last 29 seasons, 23 of which have been playoffless seasons, have felt like Groundhog Day. But yes, we now have a date on which the team that we currently refer to as the Washington football team, will cease to be the Washington football team. The Redskins, on July 23rd, 2020, announced that they would call themselves the Washington football team, pending adoption of a new name. We now know that the term of the term, the Washington football team, will end uh, on February 2nd, 2022. So the Washington football team, born on July 23rd, 2020, dead on February 2nd, 2022. Major announcement on Tuesday morning from the Washington football team, or should I say the Commanders, or maybe the Admirals. Or maybe the Belters, or maybe the Beacons, or maybe the Wayfares. Actually, the Washington football team on Tuesday morning, in multiple ways, announced that the team will be announcing its new name on February 2nd. Episode 4 of the team's YouTube series, Making the Brand. Yeah, remember that? Uh, That episode dropped on Tuesday morning and announced that Washington will be revealing its new name. On February 2nd, Uh, the video, which by the way was seven minutes 23 seconds long, included portions of a new Washington jersey that includes three stars and included Ron Rivera receiving a new helmet from Jason Wright. Uh, The three stars, by the way, we do not believe are a function of Washington (laughs) copying the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, The three stars, we believe, are an ode to the flag. Of Washington, D.C. Yes, Washington, D.C. has a flag, in case you don't know, and the flag features three stars. Uh, In fact, the logo for this podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, the number one Washington, D.C. sports podcast, has two sets of three stars. Uh, By the way, this episode four of Making the Brand, the first installment of Making the Brand since episode three. Episode three came out on August 16th. That was the episode that angered so many people with the teasing of what the finalists for the new name might be. That was not a well-received video, and perhaps not coincidentally, we did not get another video until Tuesday morning, four and a half months after the previous video. Uh, Also, team president Jason Wright, in a president's brief column on WashingtonFootball.com on Tuesday morning, ended the column by saying, quote, we can't wait to reveal our team name to the world on February 2nd, 2022. Mark your calendars, Washington family. This is not a day you'll want to miss, end quote. And then there's this. The new name will be revealed on the Today Show on NBC, uh, which of course is a partner of the NFL. So there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of pizzazz with the announcement of the Washington football team's new name. It is on February 2nd, 2022 that the intrigue will end. It is on February 2nd, 2022 that the Redskins name saga, a saga that has been going on for years, finally will be over. It is a saga that was basically over, but then, of course, was taken to a whole new level by the statement, that stunning statement from FedEx, July 2nd, 2020, FedEx issued the following short but also massive statement, quote, we have communicated to the team in Washington our request that they change the team name, end quote, and nothing, and I mean nothing, has been the same for the franchise ever since. Uh, That statement was so big for so many reasons. First of all, of course, FedEx has had the naming rights to the home of the team currently known as the Washington football team FedEx field since November 1999 via a 27-year, $205 million deal. FedEx pays the team $7.59 million per year for that stadium to be called FedEx Field. For that stadium with collapsing rails uh, to be called FedEx Field. But equally as big, of course, was that among the Redskins minority owners at the time was Fred Smith, the chairman, president, and chief executive officer of FedEx. He founded FedEx in 1971. And it was that statement from FedEx that first alerted us to the major turmoil and dysfunction that was going on between Dan Snyder and and his three minority investors, Fred Smith, Dwight Schar, and Robert Rothman. Well, here we are now, a year and a half later, Danny has bought out the three disgruntled minority owners. Danny is more powerful than ever, but Danny is on the verge of announcing a new name for his team. I am glad that the name saga is ending. I mean, enough is enough. I do think that a lot of the juice for the whole name conversation has waned, uh, in no small part because of the season that the Washington football team has had. But the team on Tuesday morning announcing that the new name will be announced on February 2nd did generate a lot of interest, so perhaps the juice is being restored. Uh, I do think that it's smart that the team is promoting the date on which the new name will be announced. You know, build up the announcement, make the announcement a big deal. Don't do a Sean Taylor jersey retirement with the new name announcement, okay? Don't announce three days before the announcement that the announcement is coming. Uh, Also, I do think that February 2nd is a good date. Uh, February 2nd is the Wednesday of the week between the NFL's conference championship games and the Super Bowl, uh, which will take place on February 13th. So this is a week in which, in theory, there isn't a ton of NFL news, and Washington then will have all of Super Bowl week to hopefully bask in the afterglow of a new name announcement That uh, has gone well. We shall see if the new name announcement goes well. For the record, I can say with very good confidence that the new name will not be the current name, the Washington football team. Just trust me on that. Uh, The new name will be a real name. Uh, The name will not be the Washington football team. The name will not be Washington FC FC. The name will not be F.C. Washington. Uh, the name will not be F.U.C.K. Washington, okay, or anything like that. The name will be an actual name, the Washington somethings. Uh, I do think, like most people, that the name will be commanders. Uh, there's a lot to suggest that the name will be commanders. I have heard quite a bit that commanders will be the name Uh, I don't hate commanders. I could live with commanders, the Washington commanders. My only real problem with commanders is that you can't shorten commanders to a one-syllable nickname for the team. And that does violate one of my requirements for the new name. That does violate one of the Goldie requirements for the new name for the team currently known as the Washington football team. Multi-syllabic names for teams are onerous and cumbersome. That's one of the problems with Washington football team. You realistically can only shorten that to Washington. And Washington is a burdensome word to say. Washington is three syllables. Wa, shing, tun. Uh, you want a one syllable means of referring to your team. And I know that that sounds kind of trivial, but I do think that that matters. You know, nats, one syllable. Caps, one syllable. Whiz, one syllable. Terps, one syllable. O's, one syllable. Skins, one syllable. What we do know is that the new name will not be Red Wolves or Wolves. R.I.P., the Red Wolves movement. R.I.P., hashtag Red Wolves. So, as you surely know, the name Red Wolves had gained a lot of steam on social media, especially among younger fans of the team. Hashtag Red Wolves very much became a thing over the last year plus. But team president Jason Wright on Tuesday morning ended the Red Wolves phenomenon. Uh, Jason Wright in that president's brief column on WashingtonFootball.com on Tuesday morning said, quote, we can confirm that after careful consideration, our team name will not be Wolves or Red Wolves. One of the most awesome and powerful aspects of this process has been getting to hear and understand your preferences directly. And we know that many of you loved one or both of these names. And because of that, we want to share some context behind our decision not to move forward with these names. You all deserve nothing less. Early on, we understood Wolves, or some variation of it, was one of our fan favorites. As I've said all along, we take feedback from our fans seriously, and because of your interest in this name, we put Wolves on a list of options to explore fully. Once we began looking into Wolves, however, we became aware of a notable challenge. Trademarks held by other teams would limit our ability to make the name our own. And without Wolves, variations like Red Wolves wouldn't have been viable either for these and other reasons. End quote. And Jason Wright echoed these sentiments in episode four of Making the Brand. So a few things on Red Wolves. I think that it's perhaps very telling that Jason acknowledges that fans really liked Red Wolves, but doesn't ever say that the team liked Red Wolves. Red Wolves. Uh, I have my doubts about how much the team liked Red Wolves. I could see that as having been scoffed at by the team because the name was such a thing among younger fans. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just have that sense. Now, Jason says that the reason that Red Wolves isn't the new name, or at least wasn't a serious contender to be the new name, was a trademark problem, a trademark issues. And the trademark issues thing is valid. Uh, Arkansas State is the Red Wolves. Uh, That always had been perceived as an impediment to Washington being the Red Wolves. Uh, The NBA's Minnesota Timberwolves were an impediment to Washington being the Red Wolves. Columnist Rick Snyder on Tuesday morning tweeted the following, quote, you can blame the Minnesota Timberwolves for Washington not getting some Wolves name. The NBA team didn't want a bigger NFL team having wolves and has all the variations trademarked. Team knew that six months ago. end quote. "There's also this and I don't know if this was a factor or not, but I think this is worth mentioning Red Wolf is a superhero identity." used by several fictional characters appearing in comic books published by Marvel Comics. Uh, Perhaps that was a problem with Washington going with Red Wolves as well. Now, what I always come back to with stuff like this uh, is the following. Well, how much are you willing to pay to solve the issues? How much are you willing to pay to remove the impediment? Money talks. We all know that, right? Money talks. Money makes things happen. As the great Ted DiBiase, WWE legend, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase used to say and still will say, everyone has a price. And everyone, everyone has a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> yes, Ted, thank you. Everyone has a price. It's true. Everyone has a price. So the question to me is this. Did the Washington football team never truly consider Red Wolves because of the trademark issues? Or did the Washington football team never truly consider Red Wolves because the team wasn't willing to pay whatever the cost of alleviating those trademark issues would have been? And I don't know the answers to those questions. But if the latter is the case, that the team never truly considered Red Wolves because the team wasn't willing to pay whatever the cost of alleviating those trademark issues would have been? then again, you have to wonder, well, how much truly did the team really want to pursue Red Wolves? Money may not solve everything, but money solves most things. And you would think that money could have solved these Red Wolves trademark issues, but then again, maybe not. And everyone, everyone has a price for the million dollar man. (laughs) Yes, Ted, for you, that is true. Uh, Now, maybe the team just felt that solving those issues Uh, Was cost prohibitive. You know, we don't know. Again, there's information here that we do not know. I was not one of these anti Red Wolves people. Uh, The name Red Wolves to me had a lot going for it. Uh, The groundswell of support for the name Red Wolves from younger fans was unique and fun, and Washington is in dire need of more younger fans. Uh, The name Red Wolves would have allowed for the hashtag HTTR to have remained a thing. Hail to the Red Wolves. Uh, Red Wolves obviously would have fit with keeping burgundy and gold as the team's primary colors. There is a military connection with Red Wolves. I don't know that most people are aware of this, but the Red Wolves were a helicopter squadron of the United States Navy Reserve. And we know that Washington has wanted to have a military connection with the new name. But there's also this with Red Wolves. And this is another thing that I'm not sure is widely known. So Red Wolf was a famous Native American who was born in Kansas in the 1800s and died in 1937. And the spirit of the Red Wolf is a thing in Native American culture. So that right there may have been a problem for the name Red Wolves, because we know that there are people who want no Native American connection for the team's new name. I don't know. I mean, we all know how things are right now. If there's a way to be offended, if there's a way to find offense, uh, there are some people who will find offense no matter what, even if those people are in no way the people potentially being offended. But here's the bottom line, and I tweeted this on Tuesday morning. The truth is that there is no perfect new name for Washington. Every option is flawed in some way. Every potential new name is flawed in some way. Every one. I've heard them all. They are all flawed in some way. And no matter which name the team chooses, there will be a portion of the fan base that hates the name and mocks the name. All you're trying to do, if you're the team, is keep that hate and that mocking to minimums. Okay, but you know that those things are coming. You know that the hate is coming. You know that the mocking is coming. There is no magic bullet for Washington other than one thing. And that thing is, of course, winning games. And if the team ever becomes a consistent winner again, if the team ever has sustained success again, then the new name ultimately will be accepted. And if the team continues to be bad, as it mostly has been bad for nearly three decades now, and especially if the team continues to have one off-the-field shame after another, as the team has for years now, then it won't really matter what the name is. It's funny, for all of the attention that the name change has gotten, the name change ultimately only has a fraction of the importance of winning games. Because without winning games, nothing else really matters. Well, speaking of winning games, up next, our special guest to talk Washington football team, Scott Abraham, sports anchor for ABC 7 News in Washington, D.C., the host of Sports Talk on WJLA 24-7 News. Uh, Scott is not shy about having opinions on the Washington football team, so we with Scott will talk Rod Rivera, Taylor Heineke, why Washington's defense overall has been disappointing this season. Whether Scott Turner, and Jack Del Rio will be back for next season and a lot more. My chat with Scott is coming up after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: Well, there's a lot going on with the 6-10 and 10 Washington football team, even though it has been officially eliminated from playoff contention and has just one game left, the Sunday afternoon season finale at the New York Giants at 1. Time now to talk Washington football team with a special guest. He is Scott Abraham, sports anchor for ABC 7 News in Washington, D.C., the host of Sports Talk on WJLA 24-7 News. And if you watch these Ron Rivera press conferences. It is Scott who consistently asks the most direct and pointed questions, and yet Ron seems to like Scott. Uh, Scott, it's nice to have you on the podcast. Uh, How have you been able to walk that line of asking Ron the tough questions, but him still liking you?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Ron and I have a really good professional relationship. I think it all started when he first arrived in I did actually a nice feature story on his wife. Um, So when he arrived, um, I did kind of like, I knew she had the background as a coach, so I did a really long feature piece the first couple of months in uh, on on Stephanie, and that's kind of how we cultivated uh, our working relationship. And um, I think he understands that I have a job to do. We all have a job to do, and uh, our job is sometimes to ask the uneasy and hard questions, and um, that that's my job. And I think he respects that. And I respect he has a job to do as well. Uh, sometimes he works around those responses uh, like any uh, coach or any politician. He's very good at uh, the press conference setting in terms of not giving away too much and, and working around questions. But again, I just go back to it's my Job and um and we have a pretty good foundation as as a relationship.
1: Yeah, well, you do a good job with it. Every good artist has his or her process. What is your process when you're coming up with your questions? Like, do you go into the press conferences knowing what you're going to ask? Do you like to let the pressers develop and then determine what you'll ask?
3: Yeah, that, that's that's a great it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> because sometimes we have a list, list. So, like in the Zoom chat, there's a list of when this particular person is going to ask their question. So generally, local TV is behind the beat writers, which is fair because the beat writers are there every single day. Uh, So we're we're usually the last ones to ask a question. So generally, um, I have to really pay attention and listen what the beat writers are asking so I don't look like a fool and ask the same question. So a lot of times, I just go by what transpires In the press conference and kind of formulate my question uh with his responses uh like for example on um on monday he talked about the plan he talked about expectations and optimism uh so i kind of took those buzzwords and and formulated a couple of questions
1: yeah and that was a good question you asked about the plan because ron did use that word so with that most recent ron rivera press conference that day after the game zoom presser on monday afternoon I thought Ron said a number of notable things, and the most significant thing, at least to me, was Ron saying, quote, it's time, I think, that we see this team start to take that big step forward, end quote. Ron put out there something that not many head coaches will put out there. Why do you think that Ron said that? Well, I think he's probably feeling the heat a little bit because year 3
3: is coming up, and as you know, in terms of coaching and rebuilding a program or a roster, That third year is always the one that's circled and and people kind of key in on. He likes to refer back to his Carolina days a lot. He likes to use that comparison of how he built Carolina, uh, what they did in year three. I think they were 12 and four when he was in Carolina. Very similar records uh, for his first two years in Carolina where he was here in Washington. But Al, the big difference is they had Cam Newton. They were developing Cam Newton in Carolina. Listen, Cam Newton right now is not walking through that door in Ashburn. So I think that's the big thing that people are a little concerned about or confused about how he's saying uh, we got to take that next step. we got to kind of follow along that path. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have that future quarterback, that franchise quarterback. If you go in the draft, Al, that's usually a project, a a two- to three-year kind of transition where it's really hard for a college quarterback to come in and hit the ground running right away in the NFL. They usually have growing pains. Okay, you go to the free agent market. You go to the trade market. Are you going to get an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson? Highly doubt it because they they're in win-now mode. And I don't think those veteran successful quarterbacks view Washington as a destination where they can win right away uh, a Super Bowl.
1: So how realistic to you is Washington next season starting to take that big step forward, as Ron said?
3: Uh, I'm 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 not there, Al, because the, the quarterback is the biggest and most important position on the football field. They don't have it right now. Taylor Heineke, God bless him. You know he, he gives it all he's got. Uh, he's a good backup quarterback. He's going to have a future, long time in the NFL. He's not a starting everyday quarterback. He doesn't have that consistency. I don't see a big jump. I I see them as a seven, eight, nine win team. You know, just getting into the playoffs. Just you maybe. Uh, winning a division title with only eight or nine wins um, until they get that quarterback that proves on a consistent every Sunday basis that he's the man. He can take hold of that offense. Uh, I'm not there until they have that guy. I-, I can't be there.
1: Do you think that Washington is in fact going to be going all in this offseason to get that guy? You know, probably through the draft because, like you said, the true franchise quarterbacks who potentially are going to be available via trade, aren't going to want to come here. Do you think this ends up being a big splash offseason in terms of Washington in the first round of the draft going quarterback?
3: I think they know they have to because they do, listen, they do have a lot of talented pieces on that roster. Again, the defense underperformed, um, and they have, you know, it's been well talked about all those first rounders on the defensive line. They obviously have some positions they have to shore up, find a complement to Terry McLaurin, get that linebacker position figured out. Upgrade the offensive line who knows where Brandon sheriff is, is gonna happen. there? probably gone in my opinion um, And remember you got to lock up Terry McLaurin, too because he, he's gonna be up uh, I think his last year's coming up uh, So there's gonna be a lot of money going to Terry. You can't let him walk out the door Deron Payne This is his last year as well. Will, will they lock him up? So there's gonna be a lot of different pieces of money flying around uh, and they got to look take Ron's always big on taking care of his players in-house first And Then going Uh, so we'll see in terms of contract extensions where that goes now in terms of of your point of How they're going to go about getting this quarterback You're right because what are they the what are they going to do in terms of a Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers? He swing for the fence is probably not going to happen I could see them getting maybe like a a Mitchell Trubisky as a stopgap quarterback and also Dra- get somebody in the draft like a Kennedy Pickett or somebody or Corral and then have them kind of learn and when the time's right they-, they go into that starting role so it could be another Fitzpatrick 2.0 whether it be Jameis Winston or or Trubisky come on over you get somebody in the draft and that's how they're going to go about it.
1: We're talking Washington football team with Scott Abraham sports anchor for ABC 7 News in Washington DC the host of Sports Talk on WJLA. 24-7 news. You mentioned all of the first-round picks on Washington's defense. Of course, among those yep. guys uh, is Chase Young. I thought another thing from Ron on Monday that was interesting was Ron saying, quote, one thing that we have to understand is just how important the offseason is for us, end quote. Ron on Monday very much talked up OTAs. He, at one point, got asked specifically about Chase Young this offseason. season I took this as Ron essentially calling out Chase Young and saying, hey, we need you to show up at these OTAs this upcoming offseason. Chase, of course, did not attend any of the OTA practices last offseason. Uh, what did you make of Ron said regarding the importance of the offseason?
3: Let the mind games begin, Al. That was totally kind of a gamesmanship. Uh, I want your butt at OTAs. I don't want this to happen again in terms of you going to L.A., do commercials or whatever. whatever you did during OTAs. And listen, this is a big year for Chase Young as well because this is year three for Chase Young in the National Football League along with Ron Rivera. Because uh, you, I think fans are really frustrated, Al, because you look at what a Parsons is doing in Dallas. You look at what these other young defensive players, a Watt in Pittsburgh, and we did not see that at all this year from Chase Young. So you talk about the team taking a step backwards, the mystique of Chase Young. Took a step backwards as well for a second year so uh, the buy-in the the pushing your chips to the center of the table I think it has to start right away and that's what Ron's doing uh, with Chase Young and kind of laying that groundwork right away hey we need you you're, you're one of our team captains you're one of our, our leaders Or you know we build our brand around you the billboards the pictures of Chase Young all over the city and all over FedEx field he has to be there and I think he's holding him accountable right away
1: all right. I have a multiple choice question for you. When it comes to why the Washington football team is 6-10 and this season and is missing the playoffs, which statement to you is more true? A. Washington was good enough to make the playoffs, but its season was ruined by injuries and a COVID-19 outbreak. B. Washington wasn't good enough to make the playoffs, and the injuries and the COVID-19 outbreak are not the main reasons for why Washington is missing the playoffs. Not to put you back in school, but A or B, uh, which to you is more true?
3: I'm going B, Al, because I'm not in the excuses business. And listen, every team went through similar situations. Every team had to deal with injuries, COVID situations. They just weren't good enough. They had some games there, Saints, Denver. They could have, heck, the Chargers game they could have won in, in week one. There were some games there that they let slip away. When COVID and injuries weren't necessarily a factor, yes, toward the back end of the season, COVID really handcuffed them. It, but again, every team has gone through that, so I, I do not blame COVID and injuries on why they're missing the playoffs and they're six and ten. The inconsistent play at quarterback, uh, the underperforming of the defense, and 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 again, it all it all adds up, and um, I think they just weren't good enough. And They were close in games, but not close enough to get over that hump. So I go with their performance and From a talent discrepancy you look at the NFC East They're pretty far behind the Dallas Cowboys in terms of talent discrepancy Dallas is just simply better Al than the Washington football team I think they're very similar to the Eagles and the Giants which they shouldn't be Because the Eagles were in a sense kind of in a rebuild mode, which is kind of a little disheartening And you know how many draft picks the Eagles have coming up. So uh, they got some work to do in terms of to kind of stay pace with the Eagles and, and get back up there with
1: Dallas. The great mystery with Washington this season is the defense, right? I mean, the offense, we know why the offense has been bad. The defense, I feel like there still is a lot of mystery regarding why this defense ended up being so disappointing. Why to you did this Washington football team defense not end up being what we thought that it would be?
3: Yeah, man, I, so many expectations, so much buzz and optimism in the offseason. That was supposed to be their strong point. And I, I don't know if it was a, a mental thing or in terms of the coaching and the players not on the same page, but it, it kind of snowballed really early in the season. And I don't know if that crept into the, the mentality uh, of the mental part of the game for some of these players of maybe being afraid to being out of position or, or making a mistake. They did, play, they, they did get better as the season progressed, especially during that four-game winning streak, uh, and I thought they played pretty well at Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. That's where it kind of all started, but uh, again, from uh, a linebacking position, kind of missing on a Jamin Davis wasn't that impact player right away, or the big cornerback in William Jackson. He had his issues uh, in terms of uh, pass interference or, or defensive holding uh, early on in the season. He was kind of a miss early on in the year. He played better again, as the season went on, and get in the defensive line, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, they are talking about together getting, you know, whatever, 25 sacks combined this year. Uh, hardly. Uh, they, they were a big disappointment. Did Were they freelancing, you know, in terms of not sticking to the scheme, not sticking to the plan, just kind of doing their own thing. You know, Ron made that innuendo several times during his press conferences. Uh, I, I'm not that football mind where I can say that they were, but obviously that narrative is out there that they weren't kind of going with the team-oriented approach and they were just doing their own thing. So clearly the players and the coaching staff were not on the same page in certain aspects this year.
1: Do you think that both Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio will be back with Washington for next season?
3: I do. I do. I'm fairly confident that, that they will. Uh, I think Scott Turner... Uh, had some really good games. I thought he called some really good games, uh, but he also um, is still working with a quarterback that's kind of fairly limited in his arm strength, and he had to kind of get creative, and losing a Logan Thomas really hurt a Scott Turner-led offense because he's such a weapon in the middle of the field. Jack Del Rio, uh, I don't see him getting any coaching interests or or um, college ranks or going back to the pros. I think the core will still be in place, and it's a big number three, year number three, if they struggle again, miss the playoffs, then I think changes will happen with the core of that coaching staff. But I think everybody's going to be back for year three.
1: What do you think happens this Sunday in terms of the season finale at the Giants? Ron on Monday, on the one hand, said, yeah, we're going to play to win. On the other hand, he said, yeah, we're probably going to play some people who we want to get a look at. So he seemed to sort of kind of leave the door open to, yeah, you know, we might not go all in. On trying to win the game. What do you think the approach ultimately will be from Washington on Sunday?
3: I think this is an evaluation game. I think they're going to use a lot of different players in several different situations or different formations or line up a player in a different position that they don't normally use that player and just kind of see, tinker what they have, the skill sets. And I think you're going to see a Kyle Allen as well. I know we talked about maybe using Kyle in the Eagles game. It didn't transpire. Uh, I really do think they want to see Kyle uh, get some reps and and get some flow, game flow. Uh, I I think they know what they have with Kyle Allen, and I think they know what they have with Taylor Heineke. But just to kind of going into the offseason, get one more game footage glimpse of of a Kyle Allen. Uh, So I would say... Yes, they, they want to win this game, but they're also going to tinker and, and, and use this as an evaluation for young players and players going into the offseason.
1: Yeah. I mean, as a fan, I hope they lose. I, I just don't think there's any value in them uh, and, winning this and, game. Uh,
3: and I think that's a fair sentiment because what what do you really gain from winning, Al? <laughs> Nothing. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I know there's a, there's a pride. They're professionals. They have a job to do. But you don't really gain anything from winning. You gain a lot more potentially – by losing because you would improve your draft positioning, which technically means you get a better player on the board. So yes, I understand certainly from that fan perspective of losing on Sunday.
1: All right. One more for you. The name. Uh, We now know that the Washington football team will announce its new name on February 2nd. Uh, What do you think that the name will be? And do you have a preference for what the new name is?
3: Well, we know it's not going to be wolves or red wolves, uh, so I'm sorry, Fred Smoot, because I know he was all excited and getting the uh, wolf call going. Um, I'm going with a military theme. Uh, You know, I saw the stars, the little teaser. Uh, I think that signified the Super Bowl championships, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'd still go with maybe like a commanders, because I think that's a very popular name out there on social media that's being thrown around. Uh, It certainly fits. Um, But it's a no... It's a no-win situation, period. It is a no-win situation for the franchise because not everybody is going to like the name. Not everybody is going to embrace the name. There's certainly a huge part of the fan base that wished it was still Redskins. That was the core. That's where they won their Super Bowls. You're going to have that area. Then you're going to have the other area of people that might be excited for this rebound. Maybe love the name, and then you're going to have people caught in the middle be like, eh, yeah. So it's, it's a no-win situation. I, I, I feel for Jason Wright and the franchise in that sense because you're not going to please everybody in this situation. I think it's good that there's an excitement. There's some buzz of you know, you know, the big reveal. But again, winning cures all. The honeymoon period is going gonna, is gonna to be very quick on this rebrand. It's all going to be about year three with Rivera getting wins, getting back a division title, getting back in the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, February 2nd, mark those calendars. You're going to have a good two-week honeymo- honeymoon period, and then it's back to business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, good stuff. Scott, I appreciate you coming on so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Well, we on Tuesday night had college basketball in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, both Virginia and Virginia Tech were in action. The Cavaliers won the Hokies lost uh, Virginia. It improved to 9-5 and five overall and 3-1 and one in the ACC with a 75-65 win at Clemson on Tuesday night. Nice job by Virginia, which had recently gotten smashed by Clemson. A 67-50 loss to Clemson at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville. On December 22nd, Uh, the Cavs' defense in this win at Clemson on Tuesday night had issues in the first half, but was great in the second half. The Cavs in the first half allowed Clemson to score 37 points on 5 of 9 on threes and 9 of 16 on twos, but the Cavs in the second half held Clemson to just 28 points on 4 of 11 on threes and 5 of 14 on twos. The Cavs in the second half held Clemson to without a made field goal for a span of six minutes. 50 seconds. Uh, the Wahoos went just 4-14 on threes, but also went 21-32 on twos and outscored Clemson in the paint 34-22. So you got enough offense from the Whos to win this game. Who's had a major edge in free throws. The Whos went 21-24 on free throws. Clemson went 10-16 on free throws. Big game for the East Carolina transfer, Jaden Gardner. He's been really good for Virginia this season. Jaden Gardner on Tuesday night, 7 of 11 from the field, all twos, 9 of 10 on free throws. He finished with 23 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists versus 2 turnovers in 34 minutes, 9 seconds as a starter. Jaden Gardner now, this season, has scored at least 11 points in 11 of UVA's 14 games. The only other UVA player on Tuesday night who scored in double figures was the Indiana transfer, Armand Franklin. Uh, Now, he went just one of six on threes, but he also went three of five on twos, four of four on free throws, finished with 13 points, four rebounds, three steals, and one assist versus two turnovers in 29-43 as a starter. So Virginia gets to three and one in the ACC. Uh, Next up for Virginia at North Carolina, this Saturday afternoon at one. Meantime, Virginia Tech now, eight and six overall and 0 and three in the ACC, a 68 63 loss to NC State at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg on Tuesday night. Now, this was the Hokies' first game in a while. This was the Hokies' first game since that 76 65 loss at then number two Duke on December 22nd. Uh, two Hokies games at North Carolina on December 29th and home to Pitt on January 1st were postponed uh, due to the Hokies being in COVID-19 protocols. So Tech had not played in a while, Uh, The Hokies in this home lost to NC State on Tuesday night, did lead by seven points in the second half at 41-34, but that allowed NC State to go on an 18-3 run for an eight-point lead at 52-44. The Hokies did then go on a 15-6 run for a 59-58 lead with less than five minutes left in the second half, but the Hokies then allowed NC State to end the game on a 10-4 run. Uh, Tech got out-rebounded by 10-36-26, including having eight offensive rebounds to NC State's 14. But as big of a problem as anything uh, was Tech having some defensive issues. Tech allowed three NC State starters, Darion Sebron, Terquavion Smith, and Jericho Hellams, to go a combined eight of 17 odd threes and to score a combined 53 of the Wolfpack's 68 points. Uh, You had two hokey scoring in double figures. Kevin Aluma and Storm Murphy. Kevin Aluma one of three on threes, six of 11 on twos, three of five on free throws. He finished with 18 points, six rebounds, including four offensive boards and two assists versus two turnovers in 34 minutes as a starter. Storm Murphy two of three on threes, three of five on twos. He finished with 14 points and five assists versus one turnover in 28 minutes as a starter. So you had some good stuff from Virginia Tech in this game, but you also had some not so good stuff from Virginia Tech in this game. Rough night for Naheem Alin. He went just one of seven on threes, one of four on twos in 31 minutes as a starter. But it's tricky right now with some of these teams that have not played for weeks because of COVID-19 protocols. And like I said, Virginia Tech had not played a game since December 22nd. Virginia Tech went from December 23rd through January 3rd without playing a game. Uh, that's not the way that this is supposed to work. And the Hokies now find themselves in a hole again, 0-3 in the ACC. Next up for Virginia Tech at Virginia, Wednesday night, January 12th at 9. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Algaldi, you can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at Yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 223, will feature a lot on the Washington football team off it on Wednesday, beginning the team's final practice week of the season. The practice week for the tank bowl. Uh, six and ten Washington at the four and twelve New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at one. We expect to hear from both Ron Rivera and Taylor Heineke on Wednesday via post-practice press conferences. Also on Thursday's show, a post-game Wednesday night's Wizards game. The Wizards will host the Houston Rockets Wednesday night at 7. The Rockets have the worst record in the Western Conference. Our friend John Wall probably not going to be playing on Wednesday night. The Rockets have not played Wall at all uh, so far this season. Have been trying to trade them. Uh, no takers, at least not yet. Uh, no takers for that $44.3 million salary for this season. Go figure. Uh, Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. And everyone, everyone has a price for the Million Dollar Man.